You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Brewers on Tap. Lane Grindle with you from Pasadena as the Brewers getting ready for a three-game series with the Dodgers. The crew, of course, sitting at 8-5, and five, swept earlier this week at the beginning of this road trip by the Los Angeles Angels, losing Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Wednesday score by a final of 4-2. to two. But, of course, uh, over the weekend, taking two of three from the Chicago Cubs. So the crew sitting in first place in the NL Central and enjoying their off day and getting ready to do battle with their NLCS foe from last year, the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, of course, it's going to be interesting because the Brewers have seen so much of the Dodgers. If you go back to last All-Star break, the Brewers see the Dodgers coming out of the All-Star break. Then they see the Dodgers right at the trade deadline into July, beginning of August. Then, of course, they see each other in the NLCS. And now they're going to see the Dodgers this weekend in L.A. And then the Dodgers come back to Miller Park next weekend for four. It's almost like these two teams are in the same division. That's kind of what it feels like, to be honest with you. So should be an interesting series. And uh, the crew trying to bounce back from what was a tough series in Los Angeles against the Angels. Okay, here's some news for you. The Brewers have announced their Wall of Honor inductees. The Wall of Honor ceremony is scheduled for August 9th at Miller Park. And here's who's going into the Wall of Honor this year, the 2019 class. Pretty good one. J.J. Hardy, the former shortstop, he's going in. Ricky Weeks, former infielder for the crew as well. And then, of course, Hall of Famer Trevor Hoffman, who went into the Hall of Fame last year and now is going into the Wall of Fame for the Brewers this year. That pregame ceremony set to take place at Miller Park on Friday, again, August 9th. And uh, that should be fun to see those three guys back at Miller Park. Going to be really cool. Uh, three guys that all had a, a great impact on the Milwaukee Brewers. Of course, Hoffman spent just his final two seasons of his 18-year Major League career with the Brewers. He was on the All-Star team in 2009, had a 1.83 ERA with 37 saves in 55 appearances. And, of course, the next year he became the first player in Major League history to notch 600 career saves. He did that on September 7th of 2010. Really cool. Uh, Ricky Weeks, the second overall pick by the Brewers in uh, 2003, I should say. 11 of his 14 years he played in Milwaukee. He was an all-star on that 2011 team. And his best season probably came in 2010. He hit 269, but uh, played in 160 games, had 29 home runs, and drove in 83. And then J.J. Hardy, a second-round pick back in 2001. What a career he put together. Tremendous defensive player. Five of his 13 years were with the Brewers. He batted 262, 75 home runs, and 265 in terms of RBIs, over 571 games. He was an all-star in 2007. Uh, He had uh, 80 RBIs that year and also in 2011, and he hit 
26 home runs in 2007 as well. So uh, three guys, again, that very deserving going on to the Wall of Honor. Okay, here's what else we have for you on Brewers on Tap. We've got some good conversations coming your way. First off, we're going to break it down with Andy Haynes. Let's break it down. First and foremost, Andy, uh, your first year working with this group, how much did your familiarity with Christian Yelich help you kind of hit the ground running with this group of guys? Yeah, it's hard to say, but I know it's been um, significant, I I think, just from a trust factor. I think, you know, the guys think so much of Christian that I think when he kind of accepts me and it shows that he trusts me, I think the other guys that give me a pretty big head start with them. I, I think you have to earn their trust still, and they got, they got to see you, and that's a real thing. But I, I, I think probably the best way to describe it is I would hope that it sped up the process a little bit of – given me a little bit of a head start with them just because they trust him so much. You guys spent so much time in the really big developmental years for him as a professional ball player. And he's talked about as much as he learned baseball-wise from you, a lot of it he learned just about how to be a professional, how to come to the ballpark ready to go every day and learn how to get yourself to bed at the right time at, at night and all those types of things. How much did you enjoy that time with him as a, as a young ball player and how fun is it now to see him turn into what he's become? Yeah, it's almost hard to put into words. You just... You're, you're so proud, and, and I don't, you know, take it for granted. Just to know how fortunate I was to kind of be there. The first guy, really, he saw, you know, when he signed professionally was me. You know, he had to deal with me. And um, and I saw it during the first few games. You saw, I mean, he was a first-round pick and all that. But, like, you saw, like, wow, this guy's really capable and special and got my attention. So, really, it wasn't a lot of baseball things. and You know, situationally, game within the game, uh, more base running, outfield play than it was hitting because I just thought he had such a, a natural ability to hit. But I, I really think, you know, at, at that stage with him, I think just forecasting what was in front of him. And most 18 and 19 year olds, you're, you're really trying to influence them and almost change them. And with him, it was more about not changing and not letting, you know, the stardom and, you know, because the reality is that you kind of knew he was going to be rich and famous and be a really good player. So. A lot of times that changes people, um, not not for the better. So um, just kind of forecasting for him of how special he was and, and not letting him change who he is and how valuable that is, that was really, I felt like, my job, you know, in in those years. And um, the credit goes to his mom who raised him. I mean, he's, he's a special kid and he still hasn't changed. And um, it's pretty unique to be around him every day. You had the chance, of course, last year to work with a really good lineup in Chicago and be in the other dugout and, and see this team a lot. And this is a very similar lineup to what it was a year ago. I'm sure when you got the call, you, you were really excited to work with this group because of the depth of this lineup and the balance and the star power in it. Yeah, I mean, you hit, hit the nail on the head. I, I saw them. I respected them, um, just how they played. I thought a lot of Craig. I kind of watched him closely, how he managed the game, and I thought, man, this what they've done pretty quickly here is it's pretty special. They got a good group over there, and you're kind of curious about their front office and David Stearns, like what what these guys got going on over there. And I certainly had no idea what the outcome would be at the end of the season. I, I knew it was going to be a good race. Um, I, I wasn't quite sure the magnitude of the run they were going to go on, but I, I just know how they played the game, the things they cared about. It was really unique to watch, and I was when I got the call and interview with them. I just felt like, man, I really hope this works out. Like, I feel like I, I could fit in here, and I really want to be a part of it um, and help any way I can, and and it does. I feel like I fit in. Hopefully they feel the same way, but I know I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of it. 
the the analytical part of the game has become bigger and bigger it seems like each year how much has that changed and, and it seems like with the Brewers organization in particular they do a great job of the front office and the on-field staff communicating back and forth and being able to implement those things into the game yeah they do it's it's um, I've got a great support cast around me it's not a one-man job you know I have my assistant Jason Lane who does a great job he knows the guys um, played in the big leagues, had a unique background. He's a huge help, doesn't get enough credit. Um, and I've done that job as the assistant, and I told him I think it's one of the hardest jobs in baseball. But not only that, just the infrastructure they have in place, it's a big support group. Um, it's not just me. I mean, I think the information, everybody has it, and they have this team of people sorting through this information. But for me, it has to get to the players in a reduced manner where you give them one nugget that can help them, you know, during competition, which is a reactionary thing. So so that is not an easy task. It, it takes an insane amount of work during the day to sort through information because you can impress them with all the information, but it has to get to the players on the field. Otherwise, you know, you ask yourself, like, what are we doing? Like, why is all this being put into place if you can't get it on the field to help us win a major league game or just – push the needle in the right direction for a player, just one little thing that can help him during the game. So that's more art than science. I think all day that's where we grind as coaches, like when to give it to them, what to give them, and knowing how can we do this to make us to help us win because that's, that's what it's for. Andy, there's ups and downs to every season, and I think every hitting coach would like to get everybody hot at the same time and roll through the season, but it usually doesn't work that way. And, and that's where the depth of this lineup comes into play. Guys can can be going through a tough stretch, but you can stick with them because there are so many other guys that can pick them up. I mean, that's that's probably the more realistic goal, right? It is. I, I mean, I, I jokingly told Matt Arnold the other day, our assistant GM, I said, you know, Matt, I learned a long time ago that hitting coach never has a great day. You can have a good day, but realistically, there's somebody in there that you, you go home and you think a lot about. You know, even if you scored 10 runs, there's somebody that didn't have a, a great night, you know, that needs you. So I think that's why the Brewers have been good. I think they understand the depth. It just takes a lot of players to win a Major League Baseball game. And as much as we rely on, on Christian and Braun and Low Kane, you hear about those guys the most. It just, to, to win consistently, it takes somebody differently, almost on a nightly basis, to, to win consistently. Um, somebody at the bottom has to surprise you or get hot because um, baseball is not like basketball or football where one guy can really carry you. That's just the reality of it. It just So I think as a hitting coach, I think, you know, if you're doing it correctly, you're thinking about each guy every single day. So that the job's a monster, but that's why it's fascinating, and that's why, that's why we love it. Andy, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. Sabermetrics 101. We're going to go simple right out of the gate. OPS, a big number. People are paying closer and closer attention to on-base plus slugging percentage. In fact, Craig Council talked a little bit about it before the final game of the Angels series. Not so much OPS specifically, but about the importance of walks in today's game because of the prevalence of the home run. And what is the home run? And walks, it's essentially on-base plus slugging percentage, right? Uh, even though there's a little bit more to it than that, that has a lot to do with the OPS equation. So, uh, for the Brewers, a handful of guys putting up big numbers OPS-wise right now. I bet you can guess one. One of them is Christian Yelich. He has a 1.222. 
essentially a 1,200 OPS right now. That's incredible. He finished right at 1,000 last year uh, with the Brewers in his MVP season, so he's pacing ahead of that as of right now. He has five home runs, 15 driven in. He's hitting 367. He's slugging 755. He's getting on base at a 467 clip. Lorenzo Cain has an OPS of 924. That on-base percentage still strong for Lorenzo, a 414 on-base percentage. Decent slugging percentage, too, at 510 because he has five doubles and a home run already so far this season. And then the other guy, and, and really the numbers on Yasmani Grandal are even better than what they look like because, remember, he started 0 for 11 as a Brewer this year. And right now his average, 343, his slugging percentage, 629, and his OPS is north of 1,000, 1.029, 1,029. For Yasmani Grandal with his OPS, he has a double, he has three home runs, he's driven in five. Yasmani Grandal's getting it done at the plate right now for the crew. Those are the three big dogs right now in the Brewers lineup from a number standpoint. Now, this is where OPS can kind of give you a better picture. Mike Moustakis, if you just look at the, the normal line we're typically looking at, he's hitting 214. And you might say, well, 214 is not very good. And Mike Moustakis wants to hit better than 214, certainly, but his OPS is still strong. It's 874. He's slugging at a 548 clip. He's still getting on base at a pretty good clip. He's drawn six walks. He has four home runs. So Mike Moustakis, even though you might look at the batting average and go 214, the overall numbers are pretty good when you start looking at OPS and some of the other things. He has had a good impact. He had a little bit of a stretch in Cincinnati, and against the Cubs, he, he played very well against the Cardinals, and he had a good series against the Angels. So essentially, when you look at the Brewers right now, they played four series, and in two of those series, Moustakis has been one of the, the better bats in the Brewers lineup. In the other two series, he struggled a little bit. That's okay. Brewers trying to get Travis Shaw going, trying to get Jesus Aguilar going. Those are the two guys the Brewers really want to see take a big step here in the next couple of weeks because that will really take this lineup to another level for the Brewers. But, uh, look, the Brewers offensively are getting a lot of things done. Uh, it's really impressive what they've been able to do. This is probably one of the best offenses in Major League Baseball right now. Certainly is in the National League. And it's going to be fun to see where this offense goes when it's all said and done. So that's a look at Sabermetrics 101. We talked about Yasmani Grandal, and that has changed the role of Manny Pena a bit, but he seemingly has accepted this role, and he's taken it and ran with it. And we had a chance to sit down with Manny about his new role earlier this week. Braun sends it to left center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go on again for Ryan Braun! He just hit another three-run shot out! Time to catch up with the crew. Manny, it's a little different role for you this year, but you seem to have uh, taken it all in stride and really flourished in this role so far early on in the year. What has it been like for you to, to get a chance to kind of welcome Yasmani in and help him with uh, how he handles some of the pitchers and, and still get your opportunities at the same time? Yeah, I mean, he's very appreciated. Uh, he's here with us and good player, good guy. I mean, it's not easy when you come from another team and try to meet all pitcher, and that's why I, I talk to him a lot and the all star and all reliever, how he can pitch the the guy he don't know, how he can catch those guys and and 
that's part of the team. I mean, we just want to win the game and you just want to go to the World Series. And you have, in your opportunities, uh, been able to be productive, not just behind the plate, but, but at the plate. And that's not always the easiest thing when you're not playing every day, but it seems like you've been able to, so far, handle that role pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you say, it's not easy when you don't play every day, but your mentality has to be focused. You need to prepare yourself for the day the, the day you play. I mean, you have to practice every day, catch bullpen, hitting off the machine, try to make those a little thin. When they give you a chance to play, are you ready to go? Manny Pena is our guest here on the On Deck Show, built by Menards. It's brought to you by Concordia University. Coming off of last season, coming so close, getting to NLCS Game 7, and uh, just the emotions that were involved in, in that series. How did that fuel you this offseason to come back this year and, and, and be even better? Yeah, last year was a, a very good year. We won, we make the playoff. We was a one game behind to win the World Series. And and this year we just go very focused. Like this year we was we, we don't finish. I mean, we feel like a, we don't do anything. I mean, especially we play in the playoff, but we want to go to the playoff and win the World Series. That's the goal for a year. We have the all talent. We got Jelish Brown, Kane, uh, Hader, all those guys very 100%. Uh, Hard to to hold the team, and and that's that's what we need. We need to play day by day. I mean, we don't think like uh, we need to win every game to go. No, we, we just play day by day by day, and to go the playoff the first step, and after that just keep going. You have had uh, a big influence, it would seem, on Freddie Peralta early on in his career. You caught his game in Colorado last year, and I know he was quick to point out how you made him feel more comfortable and made it simple for him. And, of course, you got a chance to catch his game against Cincinnati last week when he went eight shutout innings and looked so good. And the at-bat to Puig's been talked about a lot, that you went out there and you visited and you were talking about, okay, do we want to go up and in? He wanted to go low and away, so you settled on the breaking ball low and away. What are those types of situations like between you and a pitcher with the trust that you guys have built back and forth? Yeah, it's... I mean, we stood in those guys a lot. I get here early every day, and they stood in those guys, and and he he know what he doing too. In that situation, when when I don't feel in something like he wanna do, I just call time and go talk to him like, hey, listen, I don't feel in this the pitch, the right pitch. I think if he go this this location right there, he's gonna be more much better. But he he won't he trusts what he got, so he say no, I want I want good pitch, open away, and that's what I trust. And, and I go say okay, so my shirt is is. It's, it's up and don't don't give you anything low. And after he missed couple one low, he followed off like right, just miss a little bit. I go talk to him and say, hey, we don't throw any more fossil here. We throw a lot, so give me a good curve in the there. I'll be ready for block. He said, okay, let's go, let's go this. And that's what that's what he did. Well, Manny, we appreciate it. Thanks so much and uh, best luck. Yeah, thank you, man. Checking in on the farm. Okay, as we check on the farm, we begin in Class A. Wisconsin's off to a 4-3 and three start. Max Lazar is off to a great start. Six innings, two hits, and no runs allowed for him on the mound. Aaron Ashby, who I think is one of the really intriguing young prospects in the Brewers organization, five and a third for him, four hits, and two earned runs. Yason Coca, remember the Yason Coca name? That was the final piece in the Tyler Thornburg-Travis Shaw trade. Yason Coca off to a good start in Class A, 389 average, four RBIs in seven games. And then Bryce Terang, last year's number one pick, 
for the crew, or at least first round pick for the crew. Five for 20 at the plate with four walks and two driven in. A note on Wisconsin, Friday night, 7.05 start against Quad Cities. That game going to be played at Miller Park. Let's move on to High A Carolina. The Mudcats are 5-2. Joe Angel Segovia uh, had a really nice year in Class A last year, then got moved up to Carolina over the second half of the season. Didn't perform as well in High A. Seems like he's made that adjustment now coming into the 2019 season. He's hitting 357, two home runs. He's driven in five and seven games. Bowden Francis is uh, an arm that you should keep an eye on. Nine innings, uh, over two games that he has started on the mound, two earned runs, and he has struck out 13 for Bowden Francis. Noah Zavallis, uh, remember that name, Harvard guy? He was in the Domingo Santana trade this past offseason. He was the other piece, along with Ben Gamble coming back to the Brewers. Five innings for him, six hits, one earned run, and four strikeouts. So some encouraging things from those arms in high A for the crew. Double A Biloxi, they are four and two. Thomas Jenkins has pitched well. Seven inning, uh, complete game. It was a seven inning game and he went CG. Two hits, no earned runs, and six strikeouts for Jenkins. And Trey Supak, Shupak with six innings, two hits, and no earned runs in his only start so far. The other name to keep an eye on, I think this is a guy that's going to be interesting to follow over the course of this year. That's 24-year-old Devin Williams, the former second-round pick in 2013. He's made two appearances, both out of the bullpen, in double-A, six and a third innings, four hits, and just one earned run allowed. He has walked six with nine strikeouts. Uh, Last year, he began his comeback from Tommy John surgery. He missed, remember, the entire 2017 season when he got hurt in spring training. He made his comeback last year, pitched in high A, logged 34 innings and a 5.82 ERA, but really for him, over 14 starts, it was about getting back on the mound at that point in time. The results were secondary. Now he's going to start looking for results. And so far, so good for Devin Williams, who at one point was a top 30 prospect in the Brewers organization. Triple-A, San Antonio. What a start to the Triple-A era in San Antonio for the Missions. They're 5-2. and two. Back-to-back walk-off wins for the Missions to open up their home slate at Wolf Stadium in San Antonio. Both walk-offs came from Mauricio Dubon. How can you not feel good for him after the torn ACL last year and then the sickness that he dealt with in spring training? He's off to a good start this year in 2019. Some power as well from some of the Brewers' prospects. Lucas Ursig has two home runs so far, as does Tyrone T- uh, Taylor and Keston Hira. Both of them have two home runs as well. Good, promising start for Keston Hira in his AAA career. Here's another guy that should be garnering a lot of your attention. Made his debut a couple of years ago on the mound. Got back up to the major league level last year for a couple of stints and is going to be stretched out as a starter in AAA. He has big-time stuff, and that's Adrian Hauser. He's thrown 11 scoreless innings in two starts, just five hits allowed, and he has struck out 12. He has big-time potential, and sometimes he's a guy we overlook a little bit. We start talking about the, the Josh Hader trade with Carlos Gomez and Mike Fires going to the Astros and Brett Phillips and Josh Hader coming back. Sometimes we forget that Adrian Hauser was in that deal as well, and he has a chance to still pay major dividends for the crew. And then Zach Brown, of course, he's the top pitching prospect in the Brewers organization, and he has made one start. He went six innings, four hits, and one earned run. So things are looking pretty good down on the farm right now for the crew.
Here's what's on tap. Here is what is coming up on the schedule for the Brewers. Of course, when they get home after this Dodgers series, they've got the Cardinals coming to town again already. The Cardinals coming back to town Monday. That's a 640 start. That's April the 15th. That's a Miller High Life Monday. So Terrace Reserve tickets are just $6, courtesy of Miller High Life. Then on Tuesday, another 640 start against the Cardinals. That's a season seat holder appreciation day. Brewer season seat holders receive 25% off concessions and merchandise, as well as early access to Miller Park to watch batting practice. Then on Wednesday, that's a 1240 start against the Cardinals. That's a kids and seniors discount day. Kids 14 and under and seniors 16 over save 50% on tickets. Game highlights as well. You got senior stroll going on after the game. And that's also weather day, which is always one of the best days of the ballpark all year long. Students will be out there having a lot of fun prior to the game. Then the Dodgers come to town for four. Thursday, 7-10 start. Friday, a 7-10 start. Saturday is a 6-10 start, and there is a theme night ticket package to Saturday, and that is Game of Thrones night. So winter is coming. Good thing Miller Park is a dome. And then on Sunday, the Dodgers, that is a 1-10 start on Sunday. Kids will run the bases after the game. And uh, also, all fans receive a free ticket to Noah's Ark Water Park in the Wisconsin Dells. Can't beat that. That's outstanding. Uh, so should be fun. We hope to see you out there at the ballpark over the course of this next homestand. That is going to do it for me and this week's edition of Brewers on Tap. Thank you for joining us. We will talk to you again next week when we're back home at Miller Park.